in your runs, double runs, I would start with one, one a week and just start increasing. So if the first week you do a 20 minute run in the morning, 20 minute at night, the next week you go 30 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And your quality, not, not that one is quality and one's not, but if you're going to do hills, any intensity, anything like that, it goes in the first run, goes in the first run, right? This is the start. And you want to build that first run to about an hour ish. And that second run, you just keep at 20. And when that hour to 20 starts to feel really good, then you start adding in a little bit more time to that second run. So now let's just say you've got an hour run in the morning and a half hour run at night. That's really great. Then you want to start sprinkling in intensity into that first run. That's when I would say start adding it in. Then you then you can really reap the rewards of of what you've built in this durable body, able to to hold whatever mm, stimulus that you're giving it. Welcome back to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. I'm Jess, your host, and I'm here with Coach BJ today to cap off our three-part preseason SmackDown series. For the past two weeks, we have focused on swimming for triathletes and runners, biking, and today is all about my current fave, running. You guys have fueled us with great questions once again, and our intention is to open you up to new perspectives and more reasons to pay attention closely to how you're relating to your sport, your daily lives, your families, and those brothers and sisters that we call strangers. You guys, the essence of our greatness is found in present moment awareness because in presence, we are given the visibility to see how we are truly moving through the world. When we really pay attention to the thoughts that we energize, words we use, and actions we take, it's not so much of a surprise what comes our way in life. We are the creators, folks, and we don't attract what we want. We attract what we are. BJ and I are so grateful to have you along for the ride as we wake up and shake up the world of endurance sports by bringing mass awareness to the fact that we are in control of our point of attraction moving forward. What we've done in the past is done, but right now, in this very moment, we are in charge of how we move forward, but we must train our minds in order to execute our creative power on purpose. We believe in you right now. We see you in your greatest expression. You are perfect, complete, and badass as you sit today, and we will never see you any other way because right now, you have the energy that creates worlds coursing through your being. What do you think of that, Beach? It's pretty (laughs) phenomenal introduction. (laughs) As we hear from all our guests when you do that. It's true though, like we have the energy that creates worlds, not only coursing through our arteries and our veins and in between the fibers of our muscles, but it's the energy that's moving the breath and, and providing the sound for this voice and my ability to see through my eyes. Like this is the energy that creates worlds. And somehow this got glossed over in our programming as we grew up in society and in modern day society. And it's funny because we grow up in modern day society, but we're programmed with this old world view that it's like either or. And screw that, it's not either or. That's like a one dimensional way to live. It's both and baby, you can have it all. You can have it all and as we walk this path of yoga and living yoga as a way of life, Um, when we live this way, we realize that 
living the life that we want, focusing on what we want, it's not, it's not in a selfish way. It's not in like a spiritually immature way. It's really in a way where we're doing it for the good of all. We realize and we live and we embody our interconnectedness and we, re- and we understand on a deep cellular level that when we give ourselves the permission to live in joy as a state of being, that that affects the whole. And I think that dials into, you know, our conversation today as runners, as trail runners, as ultra runners, as marathoners, as triathletes, running can be one of those sports where we can really beat ourselves up. And um, it has a reputation of being really hard on the body. And because we buy into these reputations, um, perhaps injury is a big thing, you know, in this field of running. And being in control of how we're responding to what happens to us, that's the mastery. It's not about avoiding what happens to us. It's not about changing anything. It's about transforming and transcending above these social programs which are limiting and they are low vibrational and they are not aligned with the energy that creates worlds. All of that. I agree with all of it. <laughs> I think we get too caught up in the, the the visual cues. And that's when you're talking about the black and white. Like if you don't see it, you don't believe it. Oh, and what what do you actually what do you, what is actually the recipe there? Believe it and then you'll see it. Yes. So it comes from inside and it's intangible. It's something we can't we can't physically grasp yet. And if we can't see it, then the mind is looking for that certainty and it can't find it. It's like, well, I don't understand this. I, I don't recognize it. And so that's where distrust and fear and um, anxiety comes from the unknown. When the very thing that's pushing that or coming up inside of you that says, I want to run, like I feel compelled to run. Most people push that down because of the fear is too powerful. And that's the perfect opportunity to stand up to that fear and let that let that voice inside that says, I want to run, come to the surface just like you did and in Boulder, when we lived there, you share your story. Because we talked about this on the last podcast that you were going to share your run story of how you became a runner despite challenges. Yeah. So if I sound passionate in my words, um, it's because I've lived this. I've lived these limited belief systems and these um, self sabotaging thoughts and so I had this belief system that I was a crappy runner that always got injured (laughs) like so not helpful and I've always had this part inside of me that you know when I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking to myself you're such a crappy runner who always gets injured there was there's always been this voice inside of me that's like giving me a bitch slap from the inside going girl get your Get your shit together. Like, that's crazy talk. What are you talking about? You are amazing. You're you're an incredible runner. You're going to be as amazing of a runner as you believe yourself to be. So you can sit here and you can say that you're a crappy runner that gets injured all the time, or you can change that point of attraction and you can become the runner that you really dream to be. And so... um. What I did was, uh, because life gives you exactly what you need at all times, uh, 
my our friend Nicole DeBoom was pretty new with skirt sports at the time and it was February it was for Valentine's Day and she put out this limited edition shirt that said I love running and it's this white cotton t-shirt and the love is a big heart and I saw it and I was like I'm gonna buy that shirt like I'm gonna buy that shirt and I'm changing this relationship with running I'm gonna change it this was the process that worked for me okay we could poke a lot of holes in it I think along the way or whatever but this it worked for me. So I wore that damn shirt for every run. I wore that shirt for every run until that belief became who I was. So I wore the shirt for a long time. Let's just say that. And it wasn't a performance shirt. No, it was not a performance shirt. It was cotton. Cotton kills people, especially 95 degree days in Boulder. And I'm out there in my cotton shirt. And I'm out on the South Boulder Creek Trail where it was, you know, Quite often, I would get passed by Craig Alexander, who was the current, you know, world champion, Ironman world champion at the time. I mean, you know, it's the who's who, and it all it always has been that way, and it certainly was when we lived there. And so the deal that I made with myself is that anytime I had any thoughts of like, I'm slow, I look like crap when I run, why can't I look like that girl? Why can't I, you know, wear just a sports bra and shorts? Why can't my stomach look good? Why do my legs rub together? All those, all those thoughts that I'm really familiar with. The deal was, anytime any of those thoughts came in, I would stop. I would stop the run. I would look down at my shirt, I would say, I love running. I would take a couple of breaths. I would get myself into this space of calmness. And I wasn't meditating at the time. This was just kind of an inherent thing that I taught myself how to do because it felt good. And then I would start running again. And if those thoughts came back in and I found myself energizing them, and when I say energize, I mean like fueling them, indulging them, um, believing them, I would stop. I would look down at my shirt and I would say, I love running. I love running. And I would think about all the things that I was grateful for. Now, another thing I started doing was anytime, at that time, I was training, we were training with um, Craig, who is our first triathlon coach, uh, awesome dude. And we were training on miles. So let's say I had a 10-mile run. At mile 9, what I would do from mile 9 to mile 10 is I would say, thank you toes, thank you thighs, thank you neck, thank you heart, thank you kidneys, thank you lungs, thank you ribs, thank you brain, thank you ears, thank you feet. Thank you. I would thank anything and everything about me for that last mile. And if I got stuck and I couldn't think of any, I would just start repeating things like, thank you eyes, thank you heart, thank you ribs. And I would just create what I was doing was creating a gratitude practice, which I didn't realize I was doing that, but that was creating more gratitude for my body. And when you have more gratitude for your body, you're less likely to beat it up. So I was just shining a light on how amazing it was. And over time, I didn't need to wear the shirt anymore. And you know, now I'm, I am that runner. I am that, I am. And I have been for a long time. I've believed in myself. And, and because of that, I, I, um, I continue to believe in myself because what we focus on expands. So if I believe in myself, I'm gonna get more reasons in my life to believe in myself. That's how it works. If I feel like I'm a crappy runner who gets injured all the time, guess what? I'm going to get a lot of evidence in my life that I'm a crappy runner who gets injured all the time. So I changed that. And um, that was my process. And it worked. And it's, you know, those changes have been irrevocable. And, um, and that's that. That's the story. It's a really good story. It's I think we, story. we tell it a lot. <laughs> it is. It, it, it covers a bunch of things because it, it 
takes away the visual cue that we just talked about, right? So you got the t-shirt. So when you look in the mirror, you see, I love running. You've got the, um, the ability to stop and reset every time the, the thought that wasn't helping you came up and you were able to change that and look at where it's taking you. So a lot of people, a lot of our listeners have, see you where you are now. This is the fourth year of our podcast. And so they see Jessica now crushing, you know, 50 Ks and 50 milers and going out for your first hundred mile. And they're like, oh my God, Jess must have always been like this. No, they right. didn't see me uh, <laughs> two miles out from my last long run, which was 10 days out from my first marathon where I strained my calf and I, I had two miles to go and I could barely walk and I just felt like that pop and I just sobbed and I just limped my way home. And the deal was, you're going to sob and you're going to limp and you're going to do all this dramatic stuff. And once you get into the house, you're going to start to heal. And I was fine. I ended up doing the marathon. But yeah, they, they don't see all those struggles that I had. And you were in the boot. You were in the boot at one time, the black I boot. I was in Remember the boot that? for eight weeks, right. vowing that I would never be in the boot again. Right. Because I thought that my foot might have been fractured. So I went and ran the Boulder Backroads Half Marathon, got myself a PR and a boot for eight weeks, and <laughs> vowed that I'd never be in the boot again. And I wasn't, you know, to, to quote Tommy Rivers, like, an overuse injury is a stupid injury. Like, I was stupid. And because I didn't, I wasn't, um, secure in uncertainty or fully trusting my intuition, my body wisdom that's saying back off. I went out and ran a half marathon and broke the foot basically during the half marathon and then got myself in a boot where if you're, if you're not healthy, you're not training. And I was out for eight weeks in that boot. Um, but yeah, I mean. So you've seen it all. My point is like yeah. people are seeing you where you are now. Right. They don't really see how how many things that you've gone through. I've gone through a lot. It's going to be in the book. The book has to be, share some of this. One of <laughs> Jess's books will share some of this. But the, the story of her running from the point when I was dating you way back in the mid-90s to the point where you, now you're running in the hundreds. Like, it's, it's pretty phenomenal how far you've come. And so our listeners are probably saying, oh, yeah, I thought Jess always ran. But no. It hasn't always been like that. If we were to look at me 20 years ago there and, and, base, and base my future off the physical evidence that was available at that time, you would say, stay clear of 100-mile trail runs, girl. You are not the material for I that. would say stay clear of trail running. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you too. <laughs> All right. Should we jump into questions? Let's go. All right. Let's do it. This is one of my favorite topics. I think for both of us. Yeah. Because we both made ourselves runners. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's so cool. Um, I don't have the questions, though. <laughs> I need the questions. All right. Question number one comes from Molly. How often and how long should brick runs typically be? I'm training for a sprint next month and then a full Ironman at the end of the summer. All right. Brick runs. One of my favorite topics and favorite things to do to um for triathlon i mean just to get your running legs under you it's such a different feeling than just going out and running when you add a bike before it and actually uh, an intense bike your legs are going to have that heavy feeling so it's important to do these runs to get familiar with what it's like to run off the bike and actually there was a huge part and i believe you were on board with this too where 
in our careers, we were like, I, I can't run unless I do a bike before because we felt so good on the run. And that just comes from experience. So how often and how long should brick runs be? Um, let's talk about, all right, the sprint first. How often? For a sprint, you can probably do it two times a week, I would say. One maybe off an easy bike and then another one off a, an, a bike where you're doing intervals that are at race pace and you want to run off the bike at race pace. So for a sprint, uh, you don't really need to run too long. I'd say five to 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Um, it's just such a short distance that, uh, that you don't need to tax your legs. And then when you move to, um, oh, and how, right, so how, how often would be two, two times a week? How long would be about, I'd say, 10 to 15 minutes? Now, when you move to Ironman, that's a different, that's a different thing. Uh, you you want to incorporate brick runs. If you're not a runner, meaning you, you're not comfortable running uh, long and, and fast, and it's just, you, you've, got some, you've got some work to do there, I would suggest incorporating short five, to, and this is what I do with our athletes, five to 10 minute runs. If you have four bikes a week for an Ironman, I'd say three of them would be bricks. And it's not hard sessions. It's just moving the legs off the bike. It's five minutes. It's 10 minutes. It's just becoming familiar with it. So it's not an unknown. So I would start that. And then as you get closer to your race, extend the, the brick run longer, get into like 20 minutes and then 30 minutes. And then you want to build up. I like to go up to about an hour running off the bike. And as you get even closer to the race, you want to incorporate race pace intervals and race pace efforts into that run. So yeah, ideally, if you could run an hour at race pace off the bike, that'd be amazing. Off a four or five hour bike, that'd be amazing. But again, I don't know your running history and your body needs to be able to absorb and push that speed and recover enough so that it doesn't put you in a big hole to not continue training leading into the race because you want to get to an Ironman healthy. So you want to be undercooked for a race, for an Ironman race. So yeah, I, I think you know 30 minutes is a pretty strong time. 45 minutes would be really good. And then just building the intensity um, each week. And if you feel like you want to sprinkle in another brick, you know, do a five or 10 minute um, session off the bike just to get your legs moving. I used to love when you'd have me do like maybe a 20 minute run off the bike and the first mile would be race pace. Yeah, yeah, get, those, get that feeling. And then the second mile is just easy cruise. Just keep going, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's the top, that was somebody asked me the other day about the transition between being a triathlete into a trail runner. I said the the tough the toughest thing was like I didn't like I went out the door and was like, so I just run, <laughs> like I'm not bike because I sold my bike right. That's how I like to do things. I like to clear out and start new, right? Like get the bike out of here. And, um, so I didn't have a bike to ride before my long runs. And I would say even like, I want to add one thing about this. If you are a trail runner and you have a bike, um, and if you're feeling a little bit stiff or something like that to do like 30 minutes spinning on the bike or even an even hour, 15, even 15 minutes. Yeah. 15 minutes or an hour. I used to love an hour spinning on the bike. Super easy, getting everything like fluid flow and then go out and do your long run. Yeah, there's somebody who is training at Black Mountain, 
and they ride a canyon. And when I've come up a couple times, I've seen their kids a sweet bike, and it's locked to a fence with their bike shoes locked to the fence, and they must be out on the trail. So somebody is like riding to the mountain and then gravel ride. Gravel no, ride. No, it's not. It's not a gravel. Is it? It's pavement? not a gravel bike. It's a road bike. But they're so they're riding to the mountain and then they're doing a uh, a trail okay. run. But I want to, I want to know who it is. Okay. Next question. This comes from Sam. Longest run for an Ironman. I listened to the Endurance Planet podcast. Yeah. Love those guys. guys. Tony and Lucho. They're our buds. I listened to the Endurance Planet podcast a ton. And it's so great that you had Lucho and Tani on your show. I love them both. So do we. Uh, Lucho talked about working to get 20, 20 mile runs leading into an Ironman race. That so sounds like Lucho and it sounds (laughs) like gold too, right? Like that just totally sounds like gold. What are your thoughts on this and have either of you built up to that volume and consistency? Uh, I never got 20, 20 mile runs in (laughs) ever. Uh, but that is something I will definitely be doing in the future. BJ, what about you? Cause you were at a point where you were, Lucho was you had one coach for your swimming and biking. And then Lucho was my and run then coach. Lucho for your run coach, which that must have. Don't do that to BJ. BJ won't appreciate that. <laughs> I am forever, <laughs> forever, ever grateful that they both super, super cool people, high vibe people that allowed me to do that. It, it certainly was uh, an eye opening experience to work with both of them. And then when I split that run up, uh, Lucho had had talked to me and we started to work on getting up to 20 miles consistent consistently and I was do- I don't know if you remember but I was doing those 20 mile runs on Mondays yeah and so yeah I I think what Lucho was talking about because I remember hearing that podcast is in an ideal world and if your body is capable of handling it and you're at an elite level then to try and get 20 by 20 uh run- 20 by 20 mile runs in is awesome it's it's really good But he also talks about, and this is important, like feel into it. Don't be chasing numbers. Don't chase the number. Like let it come to you. So if you get 10 by 20 runs in this year, maybe next year, you get 12 or 14. And it's just a a thing that takes time. I think I went, before I met Lucho, I think I had one or two runs that were over 20 miles. And then when I was leading into Arizona, because I did this comparison, I remember it, did a spreadsheet uh, way back when. And when I worked with Lucho, I believe I had 10 runs over 20 miles. And I remember doing specifically two runs out at the res of 26 miles, of 26 miles. And I've done that twice. And what he had me do was progression runs. I got up to 10 of of those and it really paid off because my run was super strong. And the only thing that hurt me on that day in Arizona after doing these runs was my nutrition. So my running game is definitely kicked up because of that. So yes, I have run over 20 miles and I've worked it into my training, but I don't chase numbers. I don't chase it. So Lucho was specifically talking, I think, about elite um, elite running and building to that. It's, it, it's, and it's not, a, it's not a guarantee that you're going to run strong and fast. It's just something that worked well for him. So he shares a lot of his experiences because he was a very, very successful endurance athlete or he is a very successful endurance athlete and he's first and foremost he's durable extremely durable you know you need extremely durable you need to mindset durable yeah yeah you need to put the additions on a solid foundation you can't you know they don't build houses on 
sand, right? They, they spend so much time on the foundation to make sure that it's going to be able to hold what's going to be on top of it. So yeah, it's that durability is huge. Let's go to a trail running question. Is trail running helping me get faster on the run in a triathlon? I just watched Lionel's latest video on <laughs> YouTube and he was running trails before he ran his fast 5Ks. This is from Brad. For those that don't know Lionel Sanders, Google him, go on YouTube. He's this amazing Ironman athlete. And he's putting his whole story out on social media through Talbot Cox. It's amazing. It's awesome. So yeah, he. I watched the video. He is in Tucson and his coach, he's got a coach now, back to his old coach. And they have a partnership that they work together, work together on, you know, both give feedback and they come to a decision. And he's ran, yeah, he ran trails probably to get some different mobility in his body, to use different muscles, to add some variety um, and allow his body to warm up, work different stuff, and then come back down and hit his 5Ks um, strong. And I can say firsthand, just from getting more on the trails this year, that it's definitely helping triathlon running. It certainly is. It's creating that durability. It's creating the the freshness right i'm noticing it more in my mind like oh this is a joy i just get to go out and run trails and just tool around and move the body in different ways walk run not worry about pace or distance and just go have an experience and what i found is the body is moving in ways that is going to allow it to filter through any sensations that happen when you go back to the road so when you start to add on the speed and the and the volume on the road your body's already like strong in a way that it's been moving side to side it's been uh, pushing off and, and going up big rocks and the mind is fresh too because the mind has been in nature right it hasn't been dialed in on this straightaway road wondering when it's going to end so i can say firsthand that for me that the um that trail running is definitely strengthening my ability to run fast miles and i'm sure Belino will find the same thing and if you came back to triathlon i'm sure you would too well i see it when i do run on the road i see that my easy comfortable pace is faster now uh at no with no intention of making it faster so yeah i mean i think anybody who trail runs who goes from road running or triathlon to trail running will agree that it's a completely different sport it's just a totally new sport it's going to make you strong or it's going to show your in in it's, yeah, it's going to show you... This is what Tommy your, Ribs talked about, yeah. your areas of opportunity. It's going to show you your areas of opportunity, yeah. Um, and that's why he does it. He, doesn't, he wasn't doing it all the time leading into the marathon trials. He was going down there just to see how the week was on his body, to see mm. where he needed to give it some love and where yeah. to back off. So I would say, you know, uh, so we think, or what is it? Um, we think, we think, so shall, shall we, we become... Be. <laughs> so I recommend, highly recommend, Brad, that you create a belief that you are getting faster on the run in triathlon. Because if you don't believe that you're getting faster on the run in triathlon, then you're not going to get faster. So create that belief. And yeah, get on the trails, dude. It will make you, um, it's like breathing to both sides in the pool, even though one side doesn't feel really comfortable. It's good to be able to breathe to both sides for a couple of for, for many reasons, but it's going to make you more balanced in your body. It's going to make you move through those limitations. It's going to make you move through those brick walls. So trail running is going to do the same thing because it's going to have you moving in all different directions. 
It's going to have you going high speeds on uneven ground. You're going to be pushing off when part of your foot's in a, you know, a runoff, like deep ditch. And the other part of your foot is, you know, banked on the side of a, um, a, an incline into that ditch. So yeah, I mean, it's going to make you stronger and stronger is going to make you faster. It's also a slowing down. Yeah. It's giving you the ability to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Paces don't translate from road to trail. Okay. Speed work. I've been crushing my speed work every week and actually increased it from two to three times per week now. I've been getting faster, but just this week I started to feel something in my left calf, which I've never felt before. I don't want to lose this fitness and speed that I've gained. Um, So I should reduce the speed work back to one to two times per week or just push through it. This is from Jacob. Okay. I don't think the latter is a good option. <laughs> I don't think. And I think speed work two to three times a week is a lot. Yeah, that is um, a lot. You know, you really want the you really want the speed work to absorb. And if you're constantly hammering the body, then it's not it's constantly in a state of fatigue and stress and it's not really adapting to the work that you're doing. And it's not really coinciding with what you're belief method is which is 80 20 80 20 the math method you know phil maffetone they talk about on endurance planet all the time just google it uh on their website but yeah it's it's basically building the strong foundation we talked about this that strong durable foundation at a low intensity so that when you add the speed work that it absorbs in the body to its fullest capacity so yeah, you can continually pour on speed work every week, three or four times, but you're not really gaining, in my opinion, not really gaining the, the most benefit from it. You're almost going in the opposite direction. Well, and, and Jacob's body's telling him it's yeah. too much. So that's a sign right there. His body's like, telling him, don't like, wait for the boot, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the body now. <laughs> I would back off the speed work altogether and just go to two to three weeks of just steady math work or you know, 80% easy. Just, just let easy, that calf heal. Just let it heal. And I can tell you, I've the fear of losing speed, I've done multiple 10K races on just math work and run well close to my PR. So I can run under 40 minutes out of 10K just using the you know math training. No speed, no intervals, no strides, nothing. Just steady, steady work. So it works. It, it's proven. But you've got to give it time and you need to trust the process. Your body is smarter than you think. It's giving you signs. Back off. I want some words of advice from you for him about this this fear of losing fitness. Like, how does he how does he start to back away? Neil Henderson, you know, talked about the process: the stress, rest, and adapt. So actually, this might be a blessing. Like, let's look at the opportunity that this is presenting you. Actually, actually get to rest a little bit more. And when you rest, is when you actually get fit. So when you, you're tra- out there training, you're taxing the body, you're creating inflammation, you're stressing the body, when you actually rest and have a period of recovery, that's when the actual fitness absorbs in your body. So I would say this is actually really good for him. It's a really good opportunity to uh, have trust that not only is the speed work that you've done going to really absorb in your body, but that you can get faster from this rest period. Like you're only going to get faster. So we tend to look at the lack, and that's what he's looking at, the lack. I'm not going to be fit. I'm not going to be strong. It's going to take so long for me to get back to this point. Again, I can share with you, I've had firsthand experience, you have too, where you're 
super fit and strong, FAF, and you just drop off and you get injured or sick or something and the mind just goes bonkers. It's like, I'm not going to get fit. And we have come back time and time again to not only where we were before, but well beyond that. It's not to drop off and say, well, since I can't run, I'm not going to do anything. This is the very, very um, opportunistic time to start meditating, to start working the mind muscle, start yeah, doing the mental I mean, reps. In, in the least, in the least, okay, when we sit still, when we meditate, we downregulate that nervous system and we spend time in our healing nervous system. When we spend time in our healing nervous system, our body gets a chance to utilize its inherent wisdom to heal itself. So in the least there's the physical science behind it guys okay long slow run from tara is this from my friend tara how slow should my long run be i'm training for my first marathon and haven't run more than 13.1 miles and that was the last week i ran 10 minute miles at that race so i'm not fast but i believe i can get it done good well, if you can believe you can get it done, then you're going to get it done. I say up-level that belief to I'm going to crush it. Yeah, I, I'm not fast. That's so that's such a perspective. I know. I wish I still had my <laughs> shirt, girl. I'd send it over. Yeah, she needs a running shirt. Oh, we should find one online and maybe we can We link. could create one. We could create one. Why don't you just create one? I'll add it to my list. Get it done. <laughs> On our website soon. I love running. Coming to you from Yogi Triathlete. All right. So how long should the long slow run be and i don't like the the slowness in that that sounds sluggish it sounds sluggish and you don't want to just slog through a run the the point of a, a long run is to is to build endurance it's to build a durable body to absorb um the distance that you're going to do on race days so uh it takes time and she's at 13.1 miles probably she did a race so she needs to get up to her long run. Depends on when her race is, did she say? No, she didn't say when it was. Um, so it depends on how much time you have. If 13.1 is your longest, I would say start increasing. You know, the safe bet is 10% every week. Uh, maybe a down week. You come down a little bit every three weeks or so or, or not because it depends on how you feel. If you're feeling good, you continue. But uh, so 13 miles... And let's just say, I don't know, she's got a race in eight weeks, 10 weeks. You know, I wouldn't go more than 16, 17 miles. And even for people who do have plenty of time, I wouldn't go past, you know, 20 miles, in my opinion. I would incorporate walking to start to build that extra. So run 13 if you can run 13 and then start to build a mile of walking. Now you're up to 14. And then maybe next week you do 13 and a half miles running and you go up to 15, but you're walking a mile and a half. And you just continually progress that way, slowly letting the body absorb the distance. It takes time. It's a really it good way time. to gain fitness. I remember last year you had me, leading up to Lake Sonoma, you had me, like I remember one day you had me run four hours out at Black Mountain and then I hiked for two hours. That was awesome. That's a six hour workout. Six hours on your legs. Yeah, that was great. I got some great mileage that day. And so your legs are already taxed in those first four hours. So why do we need to continue to, to hammer them? They're going to get fit just by walking. They're going to get a stress just from walking. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So walking's great. I give walking it, is so good. The bomb. 
It's yeah. a great way to increase your mileage. Um, and as far as like how slow should my long slow run be? I mean, it's really, I would lose that word slow. It's just, it's just an, it's a conversational pace. It's not a heavy slog. It's light on the feet. It's, you know, feeling relaxed in your body and that all day pace, like really check in with yourself. Is this my all day pace? Is this, is this something I could hold for a long time? And if you're questioning that, like, what is that pace? Another guide is to, is to run with your mouth closed and just breathe through your nose. I've been using that cue lately. But another thing is to, to walk, run. Run nine minutes, walk a minute. Run nine minutes, walk a minute. And just continue that flow. Walk, or run eight minutes, walk two minutes. That's continually. So my point is, there's no one prescribed way to build a long long run you gotta you gotta meet the athlete where they're at and then help them to or guide them to a a a solution or formula that works best for them to get them to that mileage and there's many different ways to get there i think the walk run is a great way i think uh double runs is another great way to to build pool running pool running swimming even just swimming uh, elliptical cycling cycling there's there's plenty of ways to get you safely to that to that long run. I love this. And this goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning, like the either or or the both and, right? The either or is like, well, if I can't run long, then, you know, I might, you know, then I fill my whole experience leading to the marathon with a lot of insecurity and doubt. But when you look at it from the both and world perspective, the new world perspective, the perspective of all perspectives, you see that there is endless amounts of solutions and options for you in any given moment for any given um, circumstance in your life. Like you just named five, 10 things that you can do to help your running. It doesn't always have to look like what, what running is. There's other ways to build fitness that will help support you to get to this first marathon. And then you reassess. It might not have to look this way in the second marathon. Maybe it's you know, it looks totally different or maybe it looks the same, but only you can know by get really honing in on listening and getting tuned to that inner compass. But yeah, Tara, I, I, you totally can get this done. You can get this distance done. It's If it's in you, you've had the idea, you believe you can get it done, you'll get it done. Awesome. Okay. Ooh, one of my favorite subjects right here. Double runs. I love double runs. For someone who is injury prone when trying to increase running miles, somebody else needs the shirt, Beach. How can I go about that? Because I just love to run. And as I started to do short triathlons last year, I've really come to love the variety in the sport. My heart is telling me to go bigger, but my physical body is reluctant to jump on board. Any tips you can give me that might allow me to run longer without getting injured? So first we need to remove that story about the injury. Yeah, you got, yeah, it's not your physical body that's reluctant to jump on board. It's the reluctancy of this belief to um to fall away and the belief isn't following away because it's still getting energized. That's really what it is. It's not about changing thoughts, you guys. You can't you can't get rid of thoughts. You can just attune yourself to new thoughts. You can you can choose the frequency of the thoughts that you want. And if you're choosing a higher frequency of thought, like, um, I am so strong, like I'm going to be able to long, run long, like this time it's going to be totally different. Well, then you're not going to be attuning to thoughts like oh, my physical body is just not getting on board. 
But you don't understand. But last time when I did this, no, I do understand because I've lived it. <laughs> right. I've lived it. So this is the this is so what we're talking about. I, I know this example so well, where you're you hear Jess talk and you're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But you don't understand. Like right now, my body, I felt this before. I felt like, and and that right there, those words where you're 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 hanging on to the story is just reinforcing and keeping you stagnant and small and and and. Uh, a, a victim to this injury that's happened to you in your life. Yeah, and there's no and there's no power there. There's no power um, at all. But you can change that. You can yeah. you begin to believe. I'm getting better. This is one thing I really like. I'm getting better and better every day in every way. Right. It, it's kind of cheesy. I don't think it's cheesy. I, I used it for a really long time. I'm getting better and better every day in every way. Every little bit. Every little tiny bit that happens throughout your day is, is a chance to get better. Did you walk today? Were you able to walk without pain? Great, that's that's awesome. You weren't able to run? Well, that's fine. Were you able to walk? Great, that's a win. That's that's moving you forward. It's creating momentum. Yeah. That's what we want to celebrate. Yeah, exactly. And we are celebrating you because we see you as perfect and whole and amazing right now. So we're not, when we say like, oh, this thought's not helpful. It's not, this is not a personal attack, you guys. We have lived all these low vibrational thoughts. We've lived them. It's not, they're not personal. They're just, we, we need, we need to take the roof off the limitations here, you guys. We are in charge of what we want to um, attune to in our lives. It's, it's really, we are really in charge of it. And we see you all as incredibly powerful beings and co-creators with your, with your life experience based on what you're energizing as thoughts, the words that you're choosing to use, and the actions that you're taking. Um, so and anyway. Well, with the words that you use, this in this same scenario, like, I, I just love talking about this because it really, I guess it really aligns with with where I've been in this story of injury and or, or opportunity let's call it you, you really you're you're tied to that that belief that this is the way this is the way it is and it's always going to be this way and that you've tried everything right you've tried everything how many times have we heard I've tried everything and when you ask them have you tried every, you've tried everything right every single thing you've tried walking 30 seconds and running five seconds. Like you've tried every single thing in the universe. This is what we're talking about here. The vastness of opportunity out there. Which is limitless. Which is limitless. So if you've tried everything, then I, you'd be I like applaud you. It's pretty remarkable. Right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you had made, you actually made a note here about double runs. That's what I was saying. Like, oh, double runs. But you actually made a note about it. So I'm thinking that's something you want to talk yeah, about absolutely. here. absolutely. For somebody who, like we're not denying that you've had injury in the past. I also once considered myself to be injury prone. And then shifted my focus away from injury prone to how can I get more durable? And one of those ways is double runs. Double runs are amazing. And you don't do them all the time, but you start to sprinkle in a morning run and an evening run. And I like to separate them, you know, four to six hours, if not more apart. And just eat. the first run is your most important one because you want to get that done first. And if things happen throughout your day, the second run doesn't get done. At least you've got the first one in the bank. But you start to add in double runs. Easy way to do it. 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. That's a 40-minute run. And it's less taxing on the body because you're not at that 20-minute of fatigue from the first run trying to, to run another 20 minutes. You're stopping it. You're, 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 you're cutting it short. The same thing we do in the pool. We 
people are trying to go long and it's not happening, things are happening in their body, you start doing 25s. Get to the other side of the pool, stop. Swim back to the start of the pool, stop. And just make break it the segments down into smaller parts. So in your runs, double runs, I would start with one, one a week and just start increasing. So if the first week you do a 20-minute run in the morning, 20 minutes at night, the next week you go 30 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night. And your quality, not not that one is quality and one's not, but if you're going to do hills Any or intensity, anything like that, it goes in the first run. goes in the first run. Right. This is the start. And you want to build that first run to about an hour-ish. And that second run, you just keep at 20. And when that hour to 20 starts to feel really good, then you start adding in a little bit more time to that second run. So now let's just say you've got an hour run in the morning and a half hour run at night. That's really great. Then you want to start sprinkling in intensity into that first run. That's when I would say start adding it in. Then you then you can really reap the rewards of of what you've built in this durable body, able to to hold whatever mm, stimulus that you're giving it. So double runs are a safe way. I've I've given them to you. I've given them to plenty of our athletes. And sometimes that second run is a walk or a hike. Hike with the dogs. I love double runs because it really requires you to pay attention to your recovery and and how you're eating in your day. Because like if you start hammering, yeah, I don't know, hummus and Cholula or, you know, something spicy, that's going to get you on that. Most For most people, it's going to get you on that second run. So I always do a really good job of focusing on, I love it. I love, I see double, I see double runs as like a full day workout. I just love it so much because I'm so mindful about how I'm spending that time in between so that that second one, number one gets done and I'm setting myself up for success on that second run. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of like just like a celebration. What I pull away from double runs when I started doing them was the mindset piece of it. Just like how amazing is this that I am able to run twice in one day? When that's a new concept and you can do that, it's pretty empowering. Yeah, it's really cool. And you might walk for the first 10 minutes, you know? I'm always so surprised at how good I feel on those double runs. I love them. Okay, next question uh, comes from Roger. Trail running, I've been training for a 50-miler and I want to beat my time from last year. So it sounds like he's doing the same race. Is it better to get specific with my routes and match similar terrain to the race course or keep collecting miles on the trails, grabbing elevation when I can and honing in my trail running skills? Well, since he's already, well, my first reaction is since he's already done it once and he wants to beat his time, I would get as specific as possible. Like you've shown that you can complete the race. Now you just want to improve your time. And an easy way to do that is get really familiar with the course and get really specific with your training. So if you know that there's, a climb of 10% for you know a mile, then you want to find something that's similar. And it doesn't have to be a full mile, but at least you can do intervals, maybe on the treadmill at 10%, you know, five minutes rest, five minutes rest, five minutes rest to, to collect that, um, that same feeling of what it's like to get into what you'll experience on race day. That's, that's where I see his biggest improvements. If he simply wants to take off time, get in the, spe- the specific stuff, like really study the course, be knowledgeable. And go back, if he did a race report, go back and look at that race report or really take some time to be like, where was I challenged in that race? Like, did he kind of lose steam at the end? So if that's the case, then maybe doing some progression runs to... Finish faster. Finish faster, finish stronger. Yeah. Um, 
So looking at where maybe he had some trouble last year and that's where he's going to be able to to make up the time. And also, you know, just like in triathlon where tr- uh, transition is like free time, I always considered transition is free time. So be as efficient as possible. And you're efficient by being calm in transition. You're not efficient by being like... Ah, da, 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 da. So when you're coming into aid stations on in trail running and those friggin' aid stations are like, you just want to hang out there all day. Oh, they are the best. so It's like a buffet. Good. There's so much good food. The people are super cool and amazing. But you want, you know, bot, the caps are off the bottles. They're in your hands. If you've got drink mix, it's in the bottle. You're, you're doing this. Like if you've got a climb and let's say you're power hiking it, you're doing things to like move your gels up into the front of your pack. You're getting your bottles out. You're getting things ready so that when you go into the aid stations, you're not like having to pull things out and make decisions. Know what you're going to do before you get there. That's another way to really just... The way I love to race is by paying attention every second. Like, pay attention to every second. How are you using every second? Yeah, no moment gets a free pass. Yeah, no moment gets, like, glossed over. Right. I love that. Okay, we've got two more questions. We got, uh, let's see, from, we have a Patrick. Patrick. I know running uphill is good for building strength, but what do you think about running downhill fast? It doesn't seem like it's talked about much. Yeah. That's true. It's not. I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's really important. I think it's really important. But, but again, and I, think I don't it's... know if this is trail running or road running, but I think it's important for both. Yeah, absolutely for both. Um, what it again, this is something that you want to be very careful with because it's a pounding on the legs. So you want to start with short segments. And this was a specific run that I did, and it's Left Hand Canyon. And you would park at the split where old stages comes out on left hand and do a little warm up. And then you would run four miles up left hand canyon, stop, rest for a minute or two. And then you would run hard for four miles down the canyon. And it's at a very uh, conducive decline to run at. It's not like 10% or anything. It's, it's actually a pretty good running decline. But what I did after I started to do that, and of course, um, I built up to that was uh, dip my legs in the in the river right there the boulder i think it might have been the boulder creek um because it does take a big pounding and your body needs to be able to absorb uh what what effort you're putting down on them so downhill running really builds that ability to mimic for me mimic what happens at the end of the race when your legs are like oh like they're screaming like how much more do i have to go and all you need to do is just keep moving it's just, it gives you that feeling of what it's like to pound and pound and pound and still continue on. I think that's an important feeling to, to grasp and to, to understand that it's not over. You know, just because you feel this stuff, it doesn't mean like your legs are not going to work. I think I was saying this to you when we were on the trail the other day. Like when I went to that mountain bike camp in Vail like a million years ago, I remember there, it was this women's mountain bike camp and one of the girls that was coaching it was like, we were talking about the downhills and she was, and she just said, trust the bike. Like, trust the bike. Trust that it's going to do what it needs to do, what it's designed to do, what it's built to do. Just relax and trust the bike when you're going downhill. And with trail running, I'm like, tr- like I said to you, I'm like, trust the shoes, trust that you're going to have the footing, trust your legs, trust that you're going to have the turnover. So my mantra 
especially at the end of a trail race when my vision can be a little blurry um, or if it's a technical trail and you got tired legs and you know I my mantra is just perfect steps perfect steps perfect steps and I just feel into that just perfect steps and then I kind of back away and I just allow my body and I trust my body that the feet are going to keep up because if I start engaging all this thought about it it's it's not helpful you just got to kind of back away and trust and go for it right no safety net no safety net people (laughs) <laughs> this is why you're out there, right? To have fun and to go to for it. Go for it. Yeah. yeah, go for it. Take the lid off. So All definitely right. running downhill. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a great idea. But ease into it. Ease, ease into, into it. it. Yeah, like you got to earn the right to run four miles down Absolutely. a canyon. Um, ease into it and listen and recover well, especially when you're first starting. Recover well. Okay, final question. This is um, an anonymous question, which is totally cool. We'd love that too. Is it good to do most of your training on the treadmill? I live in a cold area in New York and I just can't bring myself to run outside in the freezing cold wind. We get you. We feel you. We understand. This is a That's com- why we- this is a compassionate circle for you right now. We don't want to run when it's cold and windy either. And this is why we bought a treadmill, <laughs> commercial grade treadmill when we lived moved back to New England. Yeah. I mean, and it can just be crazy when you live in an area, you know, I was telling the story the other day that um, I, there was one day I was running in Newport and it was like snowing, but then it was also raining and then there was like ice coming out of the sky. And so it was wet and it was slushy and the sidewalks were covered because, you know, the sidewalks weren't cleared and I'm running in the road on to oncoming traffic and nobody's really moving over and I'm getting splashed with these dirty slushy puddles. And I remember just saying like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I know I'm tough. I don't need to keep doing stuff like this. This is just stupid. This is absolutely stupid. So yeah, I started doing treadmill runs because we bought that treadmill. And remember I had a story about how I hated treadmills and how I always got injured on the treadmill. I had all these stupid stories, you guys. I've had them all. Um, And I ended up loving the treadmill. So what do you think? Absolutely. You also have to use what you what you have, have time for and what you love doing. If you don't love running outside in the cold, then don't run outside in the cold. Yeah, let's give ourselves permission, you guys, right? to to live in joy as a state of being. The other thing is don't let that dictate what you do. So that if the treadmill is your gateway to get running in because you love running and you don't like to be out in the cold, then use the treadmill. Like that's the very reason and purpose it's there um, for you. But you can do all your training on the treadmill. There's people who do all their training on a stationary bike and and race well so yeah you can totally do it um and there's tons of workouts you can do that to to you know make the time go by quicker um and i can share with you those workouts if you want to email me i've got plenty of treadmill workouts to do i give them to our athletes all the time but it's if it's what you have then then use it and it's very specific it's really getting you honed in on on your running form, you know, place a mirror in the front, see how your running form is, remove the music, like really feel what it's like to run. That's a great way to train the mind focus and feel, right? Body is always happening right now. It's a point of presence for sure. And believe, believe that doing the majority or all of your training on the treadmill because of, you know, choices that you make because of where you live, like believe that it is beneficial. Yeah. 
we think, so shall, shall we, we become. <laughs> and if you don't like running on the treadmill and you're tired of the cold, you can do what we did, pack up, yeah, move. So, so again, you have choices. The, the, the question's always bigger, or the answer, I should say, is always bigger. Like, mm-hmm. you can choose to stay where you are, or you can choose to move somewhere warmer. Awesome, Coach. This has been an incredible preseason smackdown. I hope that people keep going back to this year after year, or maybe we'll just do this every year. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this. Our intention is to open you up to new perspectives there are limitless possibilities and solutions for every conundrum in life. But if we're in the problem, the solution isn't there. So we got to be willing to get out of this old world, um, either or mindset into the, there's no reason why I can't have it all mindset. 